you know, I, I, I don't know whether or not that you have ever encountered or you know of a time, you know, know of your uh, certain areas in your life that you find that if you want to, you want to uh, move forward, life is great, it's not that bad, <laughs> but you, you say to yourself, it could be better, right? Um, if, you, if you are in that position, you are in, you are in need of a breakthrough. Right. But you know, our God is the God of the breakthrough. The God whom we worship today is a God of breakthrough. In the world that we live in to, uh, today, we are filled with all kinds of challenges, all kinds of uh, uh, obstacles against what God has in store for us. God has a plan for us, absolutely. And uh, we find that we are up against resistance from the Lord. From not, not from the Lord, resistant from the, from the world around us against what the Lord has prepared for us. So we want to know how to move forward. You know, one of the things is this, that God, before God does anything, He, he, he's, uh, he structurally He's planted, right? Even our lives before we were born, God has first and foremost perceived how we look like. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, before the foundation of the earth, God has chosen us. How could God choose us before the foundation of the earth? Foundation of the world. How could God choose us if He did not know us? You know? I can say I choose some of us to do certain things, but I, you, you have to be here. But before the foundation of the world, how did God choose us? Because he already have it in his mind. He already envisioned how you and I look like. Not just on the outside, but our lives, how our lives look like. He already envisioned it. And uh, some of us are holding babies. You know that those babies that, that, that the Lord bless you with, and all our children and all our lives included, but, but you're holding a, a baby in your hand. No, God has envisioned that baby, how that baby's life is going to look like before even he or she was conceived in the mother's womb. Now, that's how amazing our God is. So God is a visionary. So when we come to the church, you know, we, 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 we become Christians, we become part of the church. Um, the church is also as a result of a vision of what God has in mind. Now, a lot of us, we, we, we come to, we, we become Christian, we become part of the church. We want to know what does it mean to be part of the church. Of course, you go to a baptism and convention class and all that. But what does it mean to be part of the church? What does it mean to be a Malaysian? Malaysian, you must have, you know, you're born here, you're IC, all that. To, to qualify as a Malaysian. Now, we cannot, um, as a foreigner, let's say a foreigner comes to this land, and say that where I came from, we are able to do these things. But in Malaysia, cannot. But I choose to maintain in the lifestyle of my former nationality. And I insist that I can do it here in Malaysia. It doesn't work like that, right? It cannot work like that. Does it make sense? Does it make sense? Uh, to you, you, uh, you, uh, you look at me as if I'm, I'm, I'm saying something that is out of the ordinary. Does it make sense to you? You're probably wondering where am I, uh, where am I going, right? Okay, 
I'm going into the Word of God, right? <laughs> so we want to know, uh, to be part of a church uh, is to be, is come into the place where we will be able to receive the best from the Lord. And it's, it, if we, if we, if we, if we, uh, if we understand what the church is all about, and we align our lives with God's church, and then we will find that our, our lives will be in a position, in a position to receiving God's breakthrough, God's blessing. We cannot insist that we should live in the former way of life. And when I have accepted Jesus, Jesus, I maintain my former position in the life before I became Christians, and I ask you to bless me nonetheless. You, we, we, it, doesn't, it doesn't work like that. So, back to uh, Malaysia. Malaysia is a very unique, not a unique place. It's one of the many countries where you cannot have dual citizenship. Right? That means you cannot, you, cannot be, you cannot hold two passports. Right? You've got to surrender one. If you want to become a citizen of another country, uh, not PR, uh, not permanent residence, uh, not PR, but re uh, a citizen, you need to surrender the, the passport of Malaysia. Right? So Malaysia, a citizen, it says that you must make a choice whether you are a citizen of Malaysia or you are not. There's no other ways. But there are some countries you allow dual citizenship. Right? Some countries you can, you can keep your, uh, the citizenship of the original country and then you can get a new citizenship. But not so with Malaysia. So is it with the kingdom of God. We cannot say that we are part of the kingdom of God, we want to maintain certain privilege or certain enjoyment, uh, certain rights that where we used to hold you know, uh, in, in the, uh, the view that, that we hold in the world. It doesn't work like that. Right? Let me just put it right at the beginning. So we must understand what is the church. Some people say that the church is like a, it's like a club. Not, not exactly true, but it has some features of a club, right? Some people say uh, the, the church is a family. Absolutely true, but not entirely, entirely, it's not a full description of what the church is all about, right? Okay? Now, we, we know some of our members, uh, our, our brothers and sisters, your, the Lord bless you, you're able to be fruitful and multiply, Okay? But up to a point, you say enough. <laughs> no? So the family of God does not work like that. In that respect, it is, it is not true, the family of God. The family of God is to be fruitful, multiply means you'll be fruitful, multiply. You never say to the church, stop. But we say to our physical, our biological family, stop. I, I think it's not enough. I think four children is enough. Five is enough. Half a dozen is, is, uh, is, uh, is, uh, is too many. Seven is perfect, you know? Uh, but you, 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 we, we figure something that we say that this is, this is come, we've got to stop growing. But in that respect, it does not describe the church. You know what I'm saying? Some people say that the church is like an organization, right? The, uh, the, the senior pastor, the priest in charge, the rector is a CEO, right? Now, the C, it, it, is, it is probably in terms of administration, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, what do you call this? Uh, 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 management it is, it is quite true. But it also does not describe the church perfectly. Because a CEO has a power to hire and to fire. 
the priest has no power to hire and fire. You know, I, I, I can't be baptizing one person and uh, uh, com- committing, I mean, bring a person to be confirmed in the, uh, by the bishop and after that, you're not, you not doing what I'm telling you to do, I fire you. No, I can't do that. This is a church. You understand what I'm saying? So then what is the church? So we need to go back to the Word of God and, and, and understand what is the church in order to be part of the church. So let's share with us this morning. That was, in, that was the introduction, right? So I come, I'd like to share with us this morning the vision for the church or the vision of, yeah, of not just the church but our church as well. Now God is a visionary as I mentioned just now, right? God is a visionary. Man and the universe were his vision. Before God created the world, He said, let there be, he, he let there be light, that there was light. Before He said it, He already conceived in His mind that what is, what is this world going to be look like. The scripture tells us that the world was created in six days. Now, on one, on one respect, it is not the six 24 hours day that we know about because the sun and the moon was created only on the fourth day. If the sun and the moon was created only on the fourth day, then how could you count 24 hours, I ask you? Right? So the day is a sequence of or order of things coming into being. But it also means that God has perceived it, He has planned it, how He's going to create this world. Just like an engineer, the architect, when they, when they work together, they want to build a building, they have a building plan. You've got to start with the foundation. All this has been planned. And, 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 and the, the builder will just follow the, follow the plan. And the building is being put up in days, in period, in, in a particular sequence. Now that's what God did. He was building the world. He was building the earth. So God is a visionary. And the man and the universe are his, visionary, are his vision. He, he were well, his vision. So he, he envisioned it and he came into being. Then he spoke it, he came into being. He was not like, mm, what should I create to, today? Uh-huh. Quite bare. Oh. Maybe start with tree first. No, 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 no. I think maybe not. No, maybe start with the fern first. No, no. Maybe animals? No, no, no. Wait, wait. We create animals? No, it doesn't work like that. No, he doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't do like that. Just like when he, when he created mankind, he created you and I, he doesn't feel that, mm, should I call? No, is it? Should it be a boy or girl? Let me think. Never mind. Let the, let the mother con- conceive first, then a blakang kira. No, he doesn't do like that. Right? He already has his whole idea. He, in love, he's, he's, he, he pay attention to great details of our life. Before even we were created. So when it comes to creating man, it was an example where he said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let us create man. Did man come into being? No, he was just planning. Then he took the, 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 uh, took, took, uh, took the earth and he formed man. And after that, the scripture tells us in Genesis chapter 2, he breathed his breath into our nostril and we became a living being. There was a vision how we look like. He already envisioned it before we came into being. That is who our God is. And therefore, the church likewise is His creation. 
and it is what it looks like. And God's vision at the beginning of the church, we got to look back into the beginning of Israel, the people of God, the people of Israel in the Old Testament. Now, God has a vision for Abraham. What was that vision? In Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, right? Let's look at Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, let's read together. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Wow, this is what the vision that God had for Abraham. At that point of time, Abraham didn't have any children. Then Abraham said, wow, it's a long, long way. I'm not even in kindergarten yet. You're talking about that I'm graduating from university. So how am I going to be a great nation? How am I, my name is going to be great in those days? You know, children are a blessing from the Lord, as a reward from the Lord. Huh? Children are the reward from the Lord. And uh, a man uh, takes pride in, in the number of descendants uh, as, as part of the uh, 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 sign of prosperity in those days. But the Lord said, no, I, I envision, you see, God has, has envisioned that for Abraham. So Abraham had only one son together with the wife, Sarah, right? Isaac, right? Only one son. But that's, that doesn't count for greatness. But the Lord say, envision it already. He said it and envisioned it. What is to come? Now, let's, let's move on. God's vision for the church. What is God's vision for the church? Remember this, what God's vision for Abraham is? He said, I will, I, will, I will make you into a great nation. That means you're going to multiply. Uh, you're, going to, you're, going to be, you're going to be a nation. Or nation, you cannot be just one or two person become a nation, right? You, got to, you cannot be just one family and then you form a nation. That means there are a lot of people. Now, how, how does that, how does that, uh, that work? How, how does that connect with, 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 the, with the church? Now, let's just go on. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Jesus say, right, okay. Jesus say, go, therefore, let's read together. Go, therefore, and make. Now, who was Jesus telling uh, to go? Whom, to whom? Jesus was telling to go to the disciples. Are you one of them? Oh, yes. Okay. Are you one of them? This recorded. Okay, so we have a sound. <laughs> we have a resounding yes from that stream. Yes, we are one of them. So what did Jesus ask us to do? Go. Okay, this is also recorded. Okay, I'm going to pick up the voices. <laughs> now, we are all called, right? Seriously, we are all called and make disciples of all the nations. Wow, you say, uh, I can't even make disciples of my, my, my neighbor. How, how to make disciples of all nations? But this is the vision. You see, God starts with a vision and He works towards that. This is how God works. He starts with a vision and he, 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 he starts with conceiving a vision, envisioning it and he works towards it and he supplies us with all the graces, all the resources, all the anointing, all the supply, all the blessing so that we can accomplish what he has envisioned. Does it make sense? 
Therefore, my dear friends, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, coming back to the question that I asked at the beginning, do you find that sometimes your life are not able to break through to the next level? You take two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes you take, you take two steps forward, three steps back. You are just going back and forth, back and forth. You ask the questions, why? Why, Lord? One of the reasons, I say one of the reasons, huh? I say one of the reasons, the, one of the reasons that probably is, is uh, and one of the primary reasons is probably because we have not yet aligned our lives with the vision of what God has in mind for His people. You know, to, to, uh, today we, we all talk about, you know, personal fulfillment, uh, personal, um, what do you call, what's the word called? Actualization. We, we want to actualize ourselves. I, it's, 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 my, it's, my, it's, it's, it's my what I want, what I desire, what my heart is inclined to. I want to pursue that, you know, uh, personal, personal pursuit. It's very much part of our culture, especially in the Western culture. Individualism is, is, is a hallmark of a modern civilization. That means you live, to, you live in a block of buildings. You know how we live now? We live in a block of buildings. There's, there are hundreds of people, sometimes even thousands of people living in the same area. You don't know one another. Huh? Because you don't see one another. Because one on 10th floor, one on 25th floor. How to know one another? But in the same building, you look at the address, exactly the same, same, same building. So individualism, is, is part of our life. People seem to be isolated themselves from each other. Now that is the, the spirit of the world, the spirit of civilization that is, that is, that is pushing the urban, the urban uh, populations into that end. Now that does not help because we, 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 we want to make disciples of all nations because we know everybody living in that block to begin with, but we cannot. But in the, days, in the days when people are living in villages, in community, they meet one another. Huh? They, they, they go out in the, in the front yard, they see what the neighbor, hey, how are you doing? Oh, very hot, very hot now, very hot. Then after a while, you cook, you cook a pie, you say, I, I walk over. Never. Because you see each other already, right? The neighborhood, the neighborhood, you have a community, you have a neighborhood. And sometimes that in that kind of, uh, that kind of uh, 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 neighborhoodness, uh, they uh, really form a community. I take for example, about two Sundays ago, my mother-in-law had a fall when we were in Nairobi. The news got out. The neighbors came. Our next-door neighbor uh, is a specialist uh, surgeon. They said, bring the, you know, the x-ray. For me, he came over, he, he looked at the x-ray, you know, he, he, he did all that, all within the community. And then the, the, na the, the neighbor in front of us said that we will we, we'll, 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 uh, we'll, uh, do the marketing uh, for, for, uh, uh, for the family, for you, because the maid had to take care of my mother-in-law. So she, she asked, what do you need? And then she went. So, so you see that there is a community living. And we don't even need to ask for help. It is just in us. You know what I'm saying? But individualism says that you got to, you got to take care of yourself first. 
pursue your dreams. Pursue. Don't, don't, take, don't, don't try to, you know, interfere with other people's life. Now, that is something that is, that is in the way of obstructing us to become a great nation, to become a great community. Because community doesn't live like that. Look around us today in the church. Can you? We are not a very big church, right? Last Sunday, I say that in one single evangelistic meeting, uh, from those who received Jesus, uh, uh, which we did in Mauritius, we could immediately plant the church because that, the number of people who, became, who came to know the Lord in that one evangelistic meeting uh, is more than one congregation in Desert Stream. Immediately, we can plant the church. Right? Now, look, look around you. Yeah, just, just look up. Just, just look up and look, uh, look, look around you. Uh, uh, just look up and look around you. Can you name everybody in the church? Huh? Okay, Project June. <laughs> Project in June. Try to know everybody's name. In, in English congregation, you look around, do you see anybody whom you say that, I can tell you that all of you here have been attending this church for many, many weeks, if not for many, many months. <laughs> do, you know, do you know the people sitting in this, this little space, confined space here, with a, the maximum chairs of 135 chairs? <laughs> do, do we know them? Let's start with that. Okay, come, we, we come back to the Word of God. So this is the vision of, of what God has for the church, right? And, uh, and go therefore, right? Now, why does God want to do how does How is God going to, to, to make descendants of Abraham become a great nation? You know, we are all the descendants of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, of Abraham, do you know that? Even though we are not Jews, right? Because in the book of Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, but because all of, all of us who are, who, are, who are Christians who believe in Jesus, we have inherited the blessing of Abraham. We become, we, Abraham family has a family line like that. God's blessing upon Abraham and upon his descendants. I will make it into a great nation and all that. So it, 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 uh, uh, the descendants of Abraham became the Jews, right? Israel. So the blessing came upon them. The word of God came. The, the, the saviour of the world was born among Israel. He was, uh, Jesus was born as a Jew. So, so, so all the blessing is his family. Now we were outside. We are, we are all, all of us are not Jews. I, I just take a quick survey. I don't think any one of us has Jewish blood. Anyway, so we become Christians. The scripture tells us in Galatians chapter 3 that immediately we are grafted, Romans chapter 11, uh, we are already grafted into the family of the descendants of Abraham. We become part of the family of God. We become part of the descendants of Abraham by adoption in Jesus Christ. Right? So we are we you know when we go to heaven, uh, when we go to heaven and we see Abraham, he will be so shocked and so pleased, pleasantly shocked 
to see that his descendants, they are literally nations. And we can tell Abraham, Abraham, I'm a Malaysian. I'm one of your descendants. How did it work? Because of Jesus Christ. Because God said to you in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, I will make you a great nation. And later on, he, he continued to reiterate and uh, give details of the vision for Abraham. Your descendants should be as numerous as the stars in the skies and then sand on the seashore. Wow. Generation of Christians are going to appear before Father Abraham. And Abraham, you are my, you are my, you are my, you are my ancestor by faith in Christ Jesus. He could look at us and he could be so amazed. You know what he's going to see? As numerous as stars in the skies, as many as the sand on the seashore. He couldn't count anymore. By that time, he couldn't remember all our names <laughs> because there's so many. Now, that is the vision, that is a picture that God has prepared for Abraham, for us as the disciples of Jesus and for the church. Some numbers about the spread of the gospel in the world to today. This is the statistics taken in 2207. It could be, it would, if it's updated, the number is just going to just grow. Now, every week, about 1,600 uh, churches were built. Every week in the world, right? In the world to, today, back then in 2007. Every day, 28,000 Chinese believe in God. 28,000. Oh. Every day, uh, this is not like every month. Huh? Every day, 20,000 Africans believe in God. An average of 70,000 people become Christians every day. But every day, 80,000 non-believers die. During the COVID, the number surely is higher. So, assuming the number of Chinese didn't increase, right? we assume that the Chinese uh, does not become more lah in China or all, or all over the world, for, for that matter. It will take 130 years to bring everyone to believe in God. That means the Great Commission cannot be accomplished just by us as disciples of Jesus accepting this number and say, wow, 70,000 people become Christians every day. Praise the Lord. That is still not enough to, to make disciples of all nations. It is still not enough. Then what can it be done? Jesus has already, already uh, given us a model. This model, in short, is team leadership. Jesus, when he was on earth, he chose 12 disciples. The 12 disciples later on to, uh, became the Council of Jerusalem. The Council of Jerusalem was, the, was, the, was a missionary uh, sending hub of the early church. Everything comes from that Council of Jerusalem. Peter, by default, by default, because of his passion, because of his natural leadership, uh, because, of course, by the appointment of the Lord Jesus himself, he, he became a, a, a spokesman for the council. He doesn't make decisions on his own. 
You remember that in the read the book of Acts of Apostles, whenever there's a difficult de decision, the council met together. It is a team leadership. It is not a leadership that is by one man. Right? It is, yeah, it could be a leader. But they are teamed together together because let us talk about why the team leadership is needed in order to fulfill the, 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 uh, 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 the commission that Jesus has given to us. Now, in team leadership, doesn't mean that the leadership, the chairman has the, the, you know, has the ultimate say. He can veto all the rest of the 11. No, it doesn't work like that. The team leadership is because the, all of them are filled by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the Pentecost, uh, upholding the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost is absolutely necessary. Because all of us, as human beings, we have our own human weakness. We have our limited understanding. We have our own biases and prejudices. But when the Holy Spirit is upon us, He begins to, to bring us together in, in, in agreement in, in the Spirit. It is not something that is so uh, hocus pocus. Uh. A lot of people say, wow, no, Pastor, you talk about these kind of things. Uh. Like the Chinese say, very, very weird, very peculiar. No, it is not at all. The Bible has everything that was recorded. It is sufficient for our faith. It is sufficient. And therefore, in the Acts of the Apostles, there is one incident where the Council of Jerusalem met. The 12, the 12 apostles met together. They have a difficult issue to address. What was the difficult issue? The difficult issue is that should, should the non-Jews, uh, when they become Christians, should they still be required to go to circumcision. Right? It, is, it is an important issue because the Gentiles, the non-Jews, are, are becoming Christians. And by the, by, the, by, the, by the writing in the Galatians chapter 3, we know that they all consider them, when they become Christians, they immediately become part of the descendants of Abraham. So it is natural to assume that if you are part of the family, the descendants of Abraham, that you should be circumcised as well. So there was a great debate in the, in the, in the Council of Jerusalem or in the PCC of the Church of Jerusalem. Nobody have anything concrete to say. Then the scripture tells us James, the disciples, one of the apostles, James stood up, filled with the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit to, to has inspired him to come up with a with, uh, with, the, with the wisdom, words of wisdom to bring a very practical solution to the whole problem. He said, let us not impose this upon the Gentiles, but only one thing we require of them. They should not eat of animal that was, that was killed by strangulation. That means the blood, nah? the blood is not flow out. You know when you slaughter the chicken, I don't know how to slaughter the chicken, but I've seen my, my, my father uh, done it many times and I've been accomplished to him, you know, to slaughter chicken. So I know how, how it's done, you know. If you slaughter the chicken, you, you cut the throat, uh, uh, you must cut it completely, not to sever the head, uh, cut the throat so that the blood will flow, right? So, uh, so, so, so she'll cut the throat and then uh, put, the, put the head under the wing, right? <laughs> Something like that. I'll put the leg under the wing, leave it, leave it there on the ground, the blood flow after a minute or two, uh, the, the chicken die. So, in the Bible, they were not allowed to eat animal with blood in it. Okay, because 
the scripture tells us that in the Old Testament, the, uh, uh, the life is in the blood, okay? Life is in the blood, okay? So life is in the blood. So, so James stood up and said, that, let us do this. So, wow. You know what the scriptures tell us? The scripture tells us that the council of Jerusalem said, wow, they were so amazed. It pleased them. The solution seems, seems to be making a lot of sense to them. The scripture says that it, since it pleases us and the Holy Spirit, he say. And they all agree. Why? Because they were all filled with the same Holy Spirit. And the scripture tells us that decisions like that was, were, were made. Difficult decisions. But the council met together and they have the unity. What it means to be unity in the spirit? The unity in the spirit is exhibited in the unity of mind and strategy. Now that's why the church grew, my dear friends. Acts of Apostle, interesting. If you want to read through that, you can, you can, you can study through that. There, there, are, there are certain points in which there are certain, there are, there are certain um, uh, milestone events that propel the church to grow to the next level. The unity of the Council of Jerusalem, the unity of, of the church. So the number 12, why was it number 12? Because it's a number that is normally, in, in those days, uh, in, the, in, the, in the days of uh, 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 Jesus, all, all Jewish local council has a number of 12 members. All Jewish local council. They have 12 members. So, the multiplication of the 12 disciples' vision, the team leadership, uh, team leadership, this is the number in which that we like to uh, give you an idea. The first generation, there's only one. Then the one built 12 person. The 12 person, each one of them started to build. The third generation is 144. You only need to reach the fourth generation. It is 1,728. The rest of it, you can do the maths. That means in your lifetime, I was sharing with uh, uh, Ashikan Eric of Mauritius. I said, if 20 years, uh, each one of us can bring, can disciple 12 persons and build up their, their, their lives, right? To be strong in, in the Lord. Each one of us has 12 persons. That means that this church, if each one of us in the next 20 years, we build 12, 12 persons. This church will have multiplied how, 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 many, how, many, how many percent? 1,200 percent, isn't it? 1,200 percent in 20 years. It is the best investment scheme anywhere in the world. Right? You put one ringgit into any investment scheme. After 20 years, do you get 1,000? Uh, do you get 100? Uh, uh, do you get 120? You, you, uh, 12, uh, 12 ringgit. You can't get 12 ringgit. You, you cannot grow 12 times. Right? If the interest rate is about, um, uh, it's about 9% per year, if you put into a fixed day, uh, Bankers, please, please, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I, I just uh, vaguely remember. <laughs> if, we have, if, you, if you put into a fixed D, uh, 9% fixed D. How many of us know that any bank offer 9% fixed D? No, no bank offers 9% fixed D, isn't it? Now, if you put 9% fixed D, right, 
and you put into a fixed deposit with 9% annual return, uh, and, you, and you compound it. That means you don't draw the money. Every year you compound it. In nine years, the money becomes double. Right? But you and I make disciples of 12% in 20 years. 20 years is a long time. You reach out to somebody, or somebody reach out to another person, new Christians come to a church, and then we nurture the person, 12% in, in 20 years. For some of us, it's, it's like half our lifetime. And the church will have grown 12 times. If the diocese, today we have a membership of about 28,000. In 20 years, 28 times 12, how many? 300, almost 350,000. 20 years. And uh, when I share this with the Archdeacon uh, Eric of uh, Mauritius, he probably say to me, he said, Kenneth, 20 years is too long. He said. <laughs> I'm thinking about five years. <laughs> five years. We, all we need to do is to focus on that and put our energy into building lives, building lives, building lives. And that is how the church will grow. Okay, next please. This is, a, this is a, just a visual, the visual, this is just a visual visualization. Now, when we have a vision, we must have conviction, then we will, we will spring into action. If I share this, all this vision with us, and I hope that you have the conviction, if you don't have a conviction, then there'll be no action. It, it's, it's like that, isn't it? Huh? It's a good vision, we say, wow, it's a good vision. Uh, so, if you feel this good sermon, Today, I hope that you're convicted that it is a good sermon this morning. So we can all, uh, no, we, 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 all, we all do it together, right? We, do, we will spring into action. We, 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 we will plan action. Vision plus action becomes the mission of the church. The Lord Jesus gives us a vision. The vision that is contained right from the Old Testament right to the New. It is to make disciples of all nations. And we feel convicted of that and we, we spring into this, it becomes um, our the, the mission of, of the church. My my, uh, my, my, uh, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you know, sometimes we look upon ourselves so low. We, we are not able to do this. We are not able to do that. But Jesus has called us to, to bear fruits. He wants to make every member of the church, member of the body of Christ, to be a leader. But I said, I cannot be a leader. I cannot be like you, Pastor. No. If you and I can lead somebody to know Jesus, you are a leader. You just led somebody to Christ, right? So you are a leader. If somebody would come to us and say that, hey, I want to know your Jesus, or what do I do next? Uh, wait, uh, I made a appointment with you to see Pastor Margaret. You don't have to. You don't have to. You know, in, in, uh, <laughs> in, uh, uh, in, the, in, the, in the autobiography of uh, our Brother Yoon, uh, you know how he came to know the Lord? The mother shared with him uh, from her recollection of what the gospel is about Jesus. When he became, when he, when he started to read the Bible, he, and he realized that the mother got all the details wrong. <laughs> but only one fact right, you know, you must have Jesus to be safe, you know, you must believe in Jesus to be safe. He said, you are not saved by the, by, you will not, you know, don't choose Jesus, uh, the red dragon will come catch you, uh, you know, all that thing. So it was exactly what the mother told Brother Yun. So Brother Yun listened to the, wow, scary, man. So got all the details wrong. 
but the essence of it is, is, is right. Without Jesus, you cannot be saved. Jesus is good, you know? That's all because, because she, she was illiterate. She only learned a bit about the, the, the Bible. Uh, she heard it from missionaries somewhere, but she could not remember all the details, but she, she was convicted that it was important for the son to know. So she's telling all these stories, so the son was getting a bit confused, but it was a good thing that the son said, yeah, I want Jesus. Until Brother Yun himself got hold of the Bible and read it and realised that his, uh, his mother just remembered bit and pieces from the, from the Bible and pieced together and formed the gospel. <laughs> and then Brother Yun still can be saved. Huh? So, what's our excuse? You know? <laughs> what's our excuse? A vision plus action equal to the, and, and, and God wants to make us everybody a leader. So how do we how what are the what are the stages and the and the and the uh, for the ease of reference uh, is, is a reference? How do we accomplish that to 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 bring uh, a success a successful completion of the uh, the Great Commission and what the Lord has assigned to us in this world? There are four different, there are four broad categories, there are four broad stages. Number one is that to win soul. It all started with winning, winning souls. Okay? It all started with winning souls, with nurturing. Number two, when, uh, when, when, a, when, when somebody comes to know the Lord in, in, in this church, we put them into, into, into some nurturing process. We, we take them through a baptism class, a confirmation class. If we, we, we put them into a cell group. We are children's cell. We are adult cell. And all these are just to nurture us so that we can grow in, the, in, the, in our faith, right? And that is, that is not only that, but this next part is the discipleship. Discipleship is simply means that I walk with you together. I, am, I don't have all the answer, but I, I just walk my journey of faith a little bit longer than you. Let's walk together. And ultimately, in the process of discipleship, we raise up, we teach, how, we, we nurture, we teach other people how to make disciples, how to nurture other people. So in this church, that you can see that we have lay people preaching and all that, and some of our members are, are going for ATI and all that. It's all part of puzzle of the, of the nurturing process and the discipling process in, in, in our diocese and in our church. Ultimately, that we release these people to be able to, 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 um, uh, to, to nurture and disciple others as well. So in John chapter 15, verse 16, John, let's uh, jump to, to that. Uh, time is, run, is, is running. Uh, John chapter 15, verse 16. And it says, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, and whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. You see, this is what Jesus said. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain. Now, that is the word of Jesus. That is the heart and will for Jesus for all of you. Say to your neighbor, you should bear fruit. Say to another neighbor, your fruit should, should remain. Huh. Do you believe that? You say, see, we don't believe that. You, do, do, do you believe that, church? 
Uh, you don't believe that. Huh? <laughs> but this is what Jesus said, right? Jesus expressed his desire, his, his heart, right? So sometimes we look at this verse, yeah, because we look at our lives that we are not bearing fruit. But remember, God is a visionary. He's, he first conceived it in his mind, this is how your life is going to look like. This is how Kenneth's life is, is, is going to look like. I look at my life, Lord, very far, eh? He said, never mind. I envision it. This is the end. My grace will be with you. My anointing will be with you. My empowering will be with you. All that you need to sort out in your life to achieve, to arrive at here, I'm here with you. That is why when we pray for people healing, people are healed. And people have problems that come for counselling, we pray for inner healing, the Lord heals. Why? It is so that we can arrive here, this, this here, this place here, that we should bear fruit. Are you and I bearing fruits? Jesus said a tree that does not bear fruit, he will trim. Prune already, still do not bear fruit. What, what does he do? He cut it down. Now, it's not because God is so cruel. Now, this is a natural spiritual progression. You and I, some, some, some uh, I think a, 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 a few weeks back, I shared with verse, all living things grow, right? All living things grow. If, if, if a, a tree is not growing anymore, we can only come to a conclusion the tree is dead. Now, we are not dead, my, my dear friends. You and I are not dead. We are, you and I are far from dead. We have the Spirit of God living in us. We believe in Jesus. We have Jesus living in us. We got to let it out. We got to walk in it. And sometimes we wait for signs. I must be ready. You know, if we don't step up, you will never be ready. You don't step up, you will never be ready. Those of us who come out to work, you know, after finish your your. your uh, your, our, our study, you know very well the first day you go to the office, uh, you absolutely have no clue what it's all about. I still remember uh, a lawyer whom I used to work, work with, excellent stu uh, student, you know, later on went on to do great things. And he said that the first year in my, in my, in my, <laughs> in my practice as a lawyer, he said, uh, I don't even know how to draft a letter. You know, the legal clerk has to teach me how to draft a letter. A legal clerk, you say. I've got all the, all the knowledge. I've got all the potential inside. So after I, the first month, I drafted a letter. I want to send it out. The senior partner said, hold on. Let the legal clerk check first. The legal clerk check out. All red, red, red. Come on, come on, come back. Oh. Then he realized uh, to put into practical use, he had all the knowledge. He had all the equipping. But unless he step out, unless he draft the first letter that really matters, you know, that has consequence. In lecture rooms, in university, in law school, you can draft anything you want. The teachers say, okay, out of 100 marks, I give you 60. But you cannot like this in practice or you know, there are consequences or like any other profession as well. You write a report, you, 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 there's, there's consequences. You make an assessment. Your boss asks you to make an assessment. You make an assessment of the client. You make an assessment of the customer. You make an assessment of the project. It all has consequences. You have all the knowledge inside. He said, can I do it? Can I do it? If you don't make the first report, you'll never know whether you do it. You can do it. Now, that is, that is, how, that, that, that is how it works. You say, I don't know how to lead other people to, uh, to Christ. Can you memorize John 3.16? Can or not? 
Can I? Can? You're better than Brother Yun's mother <laughs> who led his son to Christ and through, through that one son had impacted the Chinese-speaking world for so many years. Now, we are destined for success. John chapter 7, verse 38 to verse 39. Let us, let us read together. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So Jesus is saying that those who believe in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's you. You have the river of living water in you. You have the Spirit of God in you. You've got to let it out. You've got to let, you can, you've got to let the river flow from you. You've got to step up, and we've got to step up. In Psalm chapter 1, verse 2 to 3, let's read together. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. How do we bear fruits and fruit that will last? That is to stay connected to the Word of God. That stay connected to the Lord Jesus himself. Like a tree planted by the rivers of water. How do we ensure that the flow of living water that comes from earth, come from us through our mouth, through the words that we say, through our action, through our behavior, through our attitudes, through our, through our, through our passion, through, our, you know, through every part of our life? How do we ensure that, that living water continues to flow into people around us, into our children, our family, uh, in, the, in, in our workplace? into our daily uh, you know, encounter with, with people is we stay connected to the Holy Spirit. We stay connected to Jesus. If we stay connected to the Word of God, then we will, be, we will be like a tree planted by rivers of water who will, who, 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 whose leaf also will show not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. Then bring forth his fruit in his season. That means there are times that we've, we labor in certain things. We don't see the fruits. Don't give up. Don't give up. Believe that Jesus has said that I have appointed you to bear fruit. You say to Jesus, Jesus, that is me. You have appointed me to bear fruits. Not just bear fruits, but fruits that will last, that will remain. That is who I am. That is who I am. If we believe in that and we hold on to it, the Word of God says that, that it will bring forth its fruit in its season. Then our leaves shall not wither. We may feel a bit dry, but the leaves will not drop. Sometimes we don't know how to address spiritual dryness in our lives. The key is get connected to the Word of God, to the Spirit of God. Where is that place that we can do it in the church? We come together to worship the Lord. We listen to the, the preaching of the Word. We come together to pray. As a, as a church, we come together in cell group where we begin to encourage one another. We begin to, we, we, we are, we're going to put into action, into application the Word of God. It is a place where we connected to, to, to the source of life. 
we are connected to evangelism and mission. You know that those of us, as I shared with us last, last Sunday, you know, those of us, uh, we, 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 we were in the, in, the, uh, in the recent mission trip to Mauritius and Nairobi. It was so packed. The program was so packed. But we felt so energized. Not, not, not just because that we, we, we see people start very, ex, uh, very exciting, but sometimes we look at their lives that are so broken, they're so in need of Jesus, but we were energized because we knew that we are doing something that is on the heart of God. When we, when we are doing something that is in line with God's heart is, that becomes alive. If you are a teacher, when you begin to look at your students, look at the whole field of education, look at your whole school as your mission field, you feel energized and feel alive. Reverend Timothy Sung was, uh, was sharing with me his, uh, his experience. He was a priest in charge of glad tidings. Good tidings. Good, good tidings, church. He said that his wife com- commented to to him, when he goes to attend, when, when he went to attend, I mean to conduct a, 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 a service, he came home like that. When he went to the school as a chaplain to, uh, to, uh, to, to give a devotion, he came home like that. <laughs> so the wife said, <laughs> so the wife said, you are so excited about being an educator. Looking at the student's life just excites him. You know, he, he will just spend so many hours. Sometimes, sometimes that's, all, that's all we need to ask the Lord to activate it inside us. What excites you? Because when, when, when we align our hearts, uh, there are many things that excite us. Uh, for, for, for us, men, football excites us also. You know? But, but that, that, that's what, what, what I mean. But if we align our lives with the purposes of God, our heart gets energized. We get excited. When I preach the word of God, I feel the energy rising in, inside us. My wife used to say to me that whenever I talk about church, my eyes lifted up. Talk about work, huh? like that. <laughs> because when, when, when we found that place, whatever things that you're doing, whether you're in schools, when you're in business, when you're in ministry, when you're in the cell group, when you're preaching, you're ministering, something that you do, you feel that you can keep on doing it without feeling tired. Why? Because when we align as we, as we this is what it means by the tree planted by the, by the river. If we are connected to the heart of God, we get excited and we get energized. We get the strength to go on. We get the grace to move forward. I often say, in conclusion, you know, our individual destiny, the destiny of individual Christians is never separated from the destiny of the church. I'm not talking about desert stream. I'm talking about the church, the, church, the vision of the church as I described just now. Make disciples on all nations. And to, yeah, that, that, that is... That is the vision of it. We cannot be separated. We cannot walk apart from that and still expect to find fulfillment in life. Rick Warren says in his book, huh? Purpose Driven Life, chapter one, first line. What, what did he say? The purpose driven, purpose driven life, right? Purpose-driven life, 
So basically, Rick Warren says that all of us, all our life has a purpose. Now, we all want to know what is the purpose of our life. And the life that we live, which is driven by purpose, is the most fulfilling one. What is the first line? If you have the book, you go back and read chapter one, first line, just one line. Anybody remember? What, 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 what did he say? Now, you have a book, you go back and read it, just the first line. The first line says, it's not about you. It's not about you. Wow. How, how does that work? It's not about you. It's about God. Our life belongs to God. Our lives come from God. It's about God. If you are, if you are, if you are a citizen of another nation, we come to Malaysia, there are certain things that Malaysians would do, the nation of Malaysia would require us to do. And we say, no, I used to do it in my, in my, in my nation. I want to continue to, to do that. So the Malaysian government will say, it is not about you. It is about Malaysia. Do you, do you, do you realize that uh, in some of the mini buses, uh, it says that bus berhenti henti, huh? Bus berhenti. You know those are buses, mini buses, uh, bus berhenti henti. So when when those bus buses first came in about, a lot of these bus drivers were Indonesian, and they actually berhenti henti. They don't stop at the bus stop. You stand on the roadside, you wave, and then you stop. So the car behind, wah, break, and then they, you know, there was one time there were people were com- complaining about them. How can you stop? The, the bus stop is only about 50 meters away. And why can't you stop at the bus stop? He said, there's a passenger next to the roadside and, and wave, so I, so I berhenti lah, I stop lah. He said, you cannot, you got to stop at the bus stop. He said, in my country, ini lah. Apa yang kami buat? Berhenti, henti, berhenti, berhenti. Anytime you stop the bus, you stop. So, but but he said you cannot do, you cannot, you cannot act like that, you cannot do this in 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 this country as if that you were doing that in your own country. No. We come into the church, we cannot dictate to the Lord, say, Lord, I want my life to be like that, like that, like that. Give it to me. It's the Lord who says that your life should be like this, like this, like this. I give it to you. This is what the church is all about. And when we are not aligned with God's purposes, we are just struggling outside the purposes of God. And the Lord is gracious. Therefore, sometimes He moves us two, three steps forward and then we go backward. That is the grace of God. But we find that it's a very frustrating exercise. I'm not asking all of you to leave your job and come to the church to work. Huh? We, 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 we cannot afford to pay everyone. Okay? I'm simply saying, find, find our place. Some one of the places is this in this church is to align ourselves to the to the to the vision that God has for His church, for His people, to make disciples of all nations. Number one, number two, it is team leadership. We got to learn about team leadership. I need I need to learn about team leadership because I'm often a, a pretty impatient person. That's why I always say that's why I'm still on my motorbike. I have no patience to to wait for traffic lights. Or I no patient to go round round the block to look for parking. I park where I want to park, right in front of the of the building. Oh, with proper parking lah, proper parking, motorbike parking, right in front of where I want to go. 
I tend to sometimes, the decision needed to be made, I want to make it very quickly. Even though some of those decisions are not just merely administrative, but policy matters. But I need to say to myself that this is not God's design. God designed that I must consult my brothers and sisters. So sometimes the decisions that I need to make, I put it on the PCC chat group. It's not that I don't know what to do. I'm not asking for, I'm not asking for guidance what to do. I'm seeking consensus. That's what I was doing. If every decision is left to me, I can decide on all the decisions that I need to make. But not all will be godly. Lah. So I need, because this how, that's how God works. This is God's design. I have staff meeting every week. Why do we need to meet every week? Oh, the church is very small. You just decide and tell the staff what to do. But I believe the model of success is through team leadership. And it is through that team leadership that the members begin to learn to, 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 to know what is the godly decision-making process. So when I'm, when I'm not heading up this church anymore, wherever my successor is, they will know exactly what has been done before. It is Jesus' model. It is godly model. It is maybe a little bit time-consuming, but it's always safe to do that. So, I want to challenge us. As our church are moving into this year of divine acceleration, the way that we can enter into divine acceleration is that when we position ourselves structurally, ministry-wise, that to be aligned with His vision and to the vision of the Lord, the Lord will open the door of, of favour. I've shared with us Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd was the beginning of Psalm 23. It is an assumption made on a decision that was previously made. The Lord is my shepherd, period. I'm not saying that. Is the Lord my shepherd? Let me decide. No, I have decided to follow Jesus. The Lord Jesus is my shepherd. He is a good shepherd. And how, how do you end? Goodness and loving kindness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. It started with the Lord is my shepherd and the blessing pursue. If we align our life with that of, of the heart of God, goodness and mercy will pursue us. But not, hey, this is God's way. This is God's prescribed Recipe for success. We can't say, Lord, I don't want to, I don't want this. I don't want to make egg tart without egg. I, I want to make egg tart without eggs. I don't like egg, but I like to eat egg tarts. Can you make egg tarts without egg? It's called custard tart, not called egg tart, isn't it? Huh? How do we make egg tart without egg? But we want to say to God, God, I want your loving kindness, your goodness to pursue me all the days of my life, but I don't want to make you my shepherd. Tak jadi lah. You ask me to pray for you, and people sometimes will ask me to pray, but not, uh, not you lah. People who come uh, to, to the church office and all that, ask us to pray for them. We can't, I can't pray for that. Because it is not, I know that it's not going to be successful. So, 
This year, we are to move into that. That's why we, uh, uh, last, last week I say, I, I, I say in the Chinese service, we want to move into realign, realigning our cell groups. Uh, we want to encourage as many of you as possible, all of you, uh, to be part of cell. A lot of your children, in fact, all your children are in cell group. Uh, uh, all, all, all the young people here also are in, in cell group. But I want to encourage all of us, the cell group is not a scary thing. Right? Don't be afraid of the cell group, right? Don't be afraid to step out. We all step out together. We hold each other's hand and step out. But step out we must. But we do not let go of one another. Two comes together. We cannot say that you step out. I, uh, I, 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 I wait for you. I support you from behind. No, I step out with you together. Neither to him you say that you, you, you support me. I don't want to step out. It doesn't work. It doesn't bring us to a formula or into the recipe of godly success in our lives. I've seen so many, so many testimonies, so many when people align, align their lives to the Lord and the door just opened in the, every area in their lives. Without struggle, without obstacles, no. But with struggle and obstacles, they could overcome. I want to bring the close... Uh, bring it close to my sharing this morning. There are, there are a whole lot of videos. I just want to share the essential. I, I want to I want to invite us to sing this song as a conclusion, as a concluding song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Now this morning when I walk in and listen to the song "Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus," it just it just that was not my original songs or, uh, or response song. But I find that it's so apt. Some of you may have heard the story before. Some of you may not have remember the author of the song "Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus." The author of this song uh, was Helen Lemel. Helen Lemel was a famous gospel singer. She sang in evangelistic meetings all over America. And uh, Helen Lemel uh, married you know, a rich businessman and her life was like made in heaven. She was serving the Lord, having a, you know, a rich husband, taking care of her. Fantastic. Now, what happened to her in her later part of her life was that that the marriage fell. The marriage did not work. She was devastated with a failed marriage. And uh, another thing was this, her eyesight was fading. She was getting blind. And in all this, she finds solace in the Word of God. She was still doing that, singing for the Lord. While there's just personal struggle, but you see, the personal struggle did not stop her from continuing to pursue God's vision, to evangelize, to bring every person to, be, to know Christ and to become the disciple of Jesus. She was, she, was, she, was, she was reading some of the, before her eyesight went completely out, she was reading uh, the writings of a, a missionary, Lilias Trotter, Lydia Strutter was a lady missionary to, to even to places like Lebanon, right? 
fantastic lady, fearless lady, no-nonsense lady. But she, Lillian Strutter has a way of bringing encouragement to the body of Christ. She observes what she sees around and she begins to draw pictures and put words of encouragement. There was a time that she saw a, a, a tendolion, tendolion, a tendolion uh, uh, against the, uh, uh, the, the, the morning sun. That tendolion was of age. You know tendolion is of age. Huh? The wind blows and it is gone. But that moment of time, she saw the glorious radiant that comes from that tendolion. And she was so amazed at God's creation. And, and she was basically looking at that. They look at this, ten, uh, this dandelion. The life is coming to an end, but it can still give out such a glorious ra radiant to glorify its creator. So she was inspired. She wrote, she wrote, she, she, she drew that. And, and Helen Lamel looked at that and looked at that with a dimming eyesight, wrote this song. This hymn, in 1922, I think. And it says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. A song written by a, a lady going blind. What an irony. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim, which was what he was, she was experiencing. She was, the, the, her eyesight was dimming in the light of his glory and grace. What perspective? Turn your eyes to the morning and see Christ the lion awake. What a glorious dawn. Fear of death is gone for we carry his life in our veins. What I'm trying to say is that nothing of infirmity, sickness, weaknesses, unhealed part of our lives can hinder us from reaching up to hold on to Jesus. And said, Jesus, I turn my eyes to you and that glorify yourself in my life. And this song has gone down through the past hundred years, encouraging so many people and even the younger generation still sing this song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. An encouragement, exhortation from one who was going blind. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Sometimes we can ask, Helen, what about you? What did, what did she see? She saw only the glory of Jesus. And that was enough for her to go on in her life. Our life is not perfect. We may be still have unhealed part in our lives. Surely we have. I have. But do we need to? Do we allow these things to hinder us? Not Helen Lamel. Not Lilias Trotter. Lilias Trotter told about this story, and rewrote uh, his poem. And now he says that is it is it is the dandelion. Initially, he said the dandelion plus a poem. When she rewrote it, he said, 
a dandelion plus a song. You can look for that publication. It's still available. Let us come before the Lord. Let us ask the Lord to turn our eyes upon Jesus. We have our challenges. I have my challenges. You think I need to wait until my challenges are all over before I can, I will, I will serve the Lord? No. Is it difficult? Surely it's difficult. But you know, difficulties and challenges in life, in, in, this is exactly what the enemy wants us to do. Look at you. You're lagging. That's so exactly what he said to Jesus. Jesus, you're hungry. Look at you. Turn this stone into bread. Can you do it? Jesus said, no. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. His focus was on God. I, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what are the obstacles in your life that you're trying to overcome. You may find it is hugely challenging. But I want to suggest to us that it is possible to move forward. Countless children of God all over the world, down the centuries. Abraham didn't need to wait until his problem was solved before he could be the, the patriarch of Israel. Missionaries have been sent to this part of the world. Their lives were not perfect. They have their struggle. Some need to leave the home. Comfortable home. To be in a place where their heart was captivated, captured by the, by the heart of God. And they were convicted about it. And because of that, we are blessed. Today we are called Anglicans. Because if there's no missionaries that came from England, from Australia, we will not be here today. The price that they need to pay, the tears that they need to shed, they didn't wait until their lives were made perfect. Neither need we.